Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. All right, pretend there's a really cool trailer video going right now for about a minute while I get up here. Uh, No, just kidding. It is nice. Last week the air was so bad, but it's nice that the air is a lot better And uh, it's nice. Did you get to mow your grass? Did you get to work in your yard a little bit this weekend? Where probably last weekend you would, uh, it wouldn't have gone well if you would have done that because the air was so bad. I did mow my grass this week and then as I was blowing off my, you know, area and everything, I felt like I was last weekend because there was ash everywhere still and it was, it was all over the place. But I'm, I'm asking, I was asking God, Lord, could you give us like one good rain that would just clear the rest of the dust and the ash off the houses and uh, the car wash. I went to the car wash this week and they were loving life because it was pretty busy. Everybody was getting their car washed. So it, it is nice that finally the air is a little bit better. And uh, like I've said in the past, because we rent from another facility, uh, they've asked us to you know, continue to be consistent with what uh, the directives are. And so when the air is 100 or worse, we go inside. Uh, when it's 100 or less, then we come outside until it starts to get cold. And then we'll, have a, we'll, we'll probably go inside. So, but this week was a really good week for our church. We, we celebrated some things this week. Uh, and the first thing that we celebrated was we had six city groups meeting throughout our region. We've never had that many. We had, I think the most we've ever had is four. And so this week, our city groups kicked off, and uh, we had uh, different people, a lot of new families getting involved there. And so that is something to celebrate because it's new people taking steps to get connected. And it's really cool how God uses those relationships in those city groups uh, to really help us all move forward and sharpen us. So that was one. The another thing that we want to celebrate was for the first time since I think last March, our city students had a Wednesday night uh, ministry evening, and so that was that was exciting. They started off with a swim party. Uh, going forward, every other week they'll be here for for city students. Uh, but that was exciting. It was exciting to to hear about new kids coming, and also some kids that we haven't seen in a few months coming and getting connected. And so we really want to just celebrate. And so would you would you celebrate with me? New people getting connected at church. Uh, teenagers and adults, and so we want to we want to be consistent uh, with celebration. When we see God doing things, when when people take next steps, man, we want to celebrate that. Uh, we we want to celebrate different individuals. When when I was growing up, when, when, and you remember this, when you're a little kid, your your mom and dad always say, man, hey, when it's somebody else's birthday party, man, you're you're gonna be excited for them. You're gonna. I know they're going to open the gifts and you're not going to get any gifts. You're going to celebrate them. And as a little kid, sometimes that was hard. Sometimes it was, man, you went to a birthday party or you went to something where somebody else was getting honored. And it was like, 
oh, I want to get a present or I want to get, and, and your mom and dad had to say, no, today's their special day. And so we're going to honor them. And, and they kind of taught us that as, as young people that, man, we want to honor other people. We want to celebrate other people. The thing that probably made it hard for us, and maybe you've experienced this, and we even experience this as adults, is when somebody, for instance, at school, they make an A on the test, they didn't study at all, you worked your tail off, you studied hard, and you barely got a C. And you're like, golf clap, you got an A, and you studied for five minutes, and I, I studied for four hours. And, or, or if you, you grew up playing athletics, and, and maybe you didn't have like natural ability, but you had a, a buddy that, man, they just went from sport to sport, whatever season it was, because they had so much natural ability. They just excelled at everything. And you were, man, going to sports camps and working hard to just, man, barely make the team. But, man, they excelled. And, and it was sometimes tough to celebrate them because, man, it seemed to come so easy. And as we, we grow up, one of the things that we look back at, and this is something that's very sad, is we look back at people that had everything going for them. They had all the gifts, things came natural for them, and yet they, they didn't take advantage of them, they didn't steward them well. And so now as an adult, you look back and you think, man, that person that everybody thought was going to do so much, that had all the ability, that was the smartest kid in the class, man, they really haven't done much with it. And, and, and in some cases, they've actually gone a wrong, down a wrong path. And and it's a tragedy because they had so much ability, so much going for them. And then you look back 10 or 20 years later and think, man, it's just never happened for them. And it's a tragedy. Last week, we, we started a series. And we started a series about people that come back. About people in scripture that were down, that were struggling. Some of them were struggling because of their own issues. Some of them were struggling because of things outside of them. But, but people that really needed a comeback. And the guy we're going to talk about today is, is a guy that had all the ability, that had all the, the chances, and he should have excelled for his whole life. He had all the potential but he went down the wrong path and he did not steward well the gifts that he had. His name was Samson. And Samson's probably the closest thing we have in the scripture to a superhero. So if you're a fan of superheroes, this is a guy. And, and Samson, as we're going to see, man, he had everything going for him. Superhuman strength, gifted by God, given authority. And yet he decided to go down the wrong path instead of using those gifts and, in, and really stewarding what he had for good. He needed a comeback and that comeback didn't happen till the last minute of his life. And so Samson, if you have your, your Bible or you can look in the app, we, we see his story in the book of Judges, chapter 13. And Samson was a guy that he, his role amongst the people of Israel, he was a judge. 
So back when Samson was alive, they didn't have kings at that point, but, but they, there were judges that were appointed to kind of act as like a governor or kind of a ruler, kind of an authority in, in Israel. And so that's what Samson was. And he lived about 40 to 50 years before, if you know anything about Israel's history, before King Saul and then before David. And so he's, he's the last judge that Israel has before they move into starting to have kings. And in, in Judges chapter 13, you see kind of the context and kind of what's going on in Israel when Samson comes on the scene. And Israel, you'll, you'll see in Je Judges chapter 13, was in the process of like a vicious cycle that just seemed to never end. Je Judges 13, 1 says it this way. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. If you've ever seen the movie Groundhog Day with Bill Murray, which probably some of you have. You, you know, Bill Murray, uh, the, the story of Groundhog Day, it's just kind of a funny story. It's, uh, Bill Murray is this character in the story that doesn't realize it right away, but lives the same day over and over and over and over again. And he finally realizes what's happening and he starts to take advantage of it. But, but that's what the kind of the whole movie's about. Israel was like the ancient version of Groundhog Day. They went through the same cycle over and over and over again. They would sin. They would be punished. Somebody would come in and take over their area, an enemy of theirs. They would cry out to God for deliverance. God would provide a deliverer. And then they would sin again. And then they would get taken over. And that, I mean, it literally like vicious cycle, dad, grandpa, mom, grandma, they all went through the same cycle. And so that's where, that's where Israel finds themselves. They're in the middle of this cycle where the Philistines are their arch enemy and they are, uh, they basically have Israel as slaves. And at this point in history, Israel is, is so beat down that they don't even seem to care anymore. They're not even trying to not be taken over anymore. They've just kind of accepted, hey, yeah, we're going to be subject to the Philistines. Well, then there's, there's his family, this, this man by the name of Zorah, and this uh, lady by the name of Manoah who has not been able to have a child. And they've, they've wanted to have a child. And, and back in ancient times, children were so important to a family and specifically to a mom that not having a kid was tragic for them. Even more than it would be today, it was tragic because children were everything to them, both in their business, both in their family, like both with their land. It was so important to have an heir and they didn't have one. And so they were, they were barren, and, and all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord, who we think might be, was probably a pre-incarnate Jesus, comes to them and says, hey, by the way, you're going to have a kid. You're going to have a kid, and your kid's going to be special. He's going to be unique. There's going to be some things about him that are going to be different from other people. And it's verse 5 uh, of 
of uh, Judges chapter 13 says this, this angel of the Lord's come to them and they say, hey, you're going to have a kid and it's going to be a unique kid. And here's what the, the angel of the Lord said, for behold, you shall conceive, verse five, and bear a son. No razor, razor shall come up on his head. So you're, you're, you're going to save a lot of money on haircuts for this kid because you, you're never going to cut his hair. The child will be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. And so this kid that you're going to have is going to be a kid that's going to be a Nazarite. And basically what that means is he's going to be separated, unique for the Lord. And so part of being a Nazarite was you're not going to cut his hair. He can't drink alcohol. There were some other things. He can never touch a dead body. It's like, why would you want to? But hey, you can't touch a dead body. So there were some stipulations for this kid because he was going to be a Nazarite and he was going to be separated for the Lord's work. And in this passage, before Samson is even born, God lays out the purpose for Samson's life. He says, this is what your kid's life's going to be all about. He shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Your kid, who I'm separating for, for me, God says, his purpose in his life is going to be to save Israel from their arch enemy, the Philistines. And what's interesting about this verse, it's this verse is a lesson and really introduces us to a lesson that has ramifications on Samson's life, but also has ramifications on our life today. And here, here's, here's the lesson. God has a purpose for my life that is lived out best when I follow his plan. Let me say that again, because this is what we see in Samson's life. And this is whether you're a teenager, whether you're a college student, whether you're a senior citizen, whether you're a single mom, this, this lesson that we see in Samson's life has tremendous ramifications towards our life and the direction of our life. And it's simply this, God has a purpose for my life that is lived out best when I follow his path. Samson has a, had a unique purpose. God's path for him was to save a nation from their enemy, the Philistines. God has a purpose for your life. He may not have come to your parents before you were born and said, hey, this is the purpose of her life or his life, but he has a purpose. And that purpose is best lived out when we follow his path. So Samson was born. The, the promise of a child to a barren mom that wasn't able to have a child was born. And, and over the next few chapters, from chapter 14 to chapter 16 of Samson's life, basically what it does is it, it picks up where Samson is about 20 years old. And for the next few verses, what it does is it, it tells of this, this guy that had such purpose, that had such potential, that had gifts, that had everything going for him, how he had to choose would he follow God's path. And because he didn't always choose to follow God's path, you see the ups and downs in his life till his very last breath when he finally makes a comeback. So chapter 14. Samson, he's now 20 years old, and it says this in verse 1. Samson went down to Timnah. This is about probably four miles from his house. 
And at Timnah, he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. Then he came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. Like, well, all right, son, okay. But his father and mother said to him, because this probably wasn't a great idea, because again, who's our arch enemy? The Philistines. And Samson comes and says, hey, dad, I saw a girl and she looks great. Go get her. I want her to be my wife. And dad's like, but are you sure? And what basically what his dad says is, hey, have you looked over all the girls in Israel? Like, isn't there one dude? Like, can you find one? Do we have to go to the Philistines? And Samson, he says, get her for me. For she is right in my eyes. Like, Dad, I'm not hearing your counsel. I appreciate it. But bottom line, go get her for me. She's, she's mine. She's my girl. And so when your son can, like, rip lions in half, you say, okay, we'll do that for you, son. Uh, and so that's what he does. And, and, and then, and basically how it worked back then when you wanted to marry somebody, it was like a year process. And so it was, it was time in verse 5 to now, okay, Samson wants to marry this girl, and she's from the Philistines, and so we're going to go do the meet your parents time. We're going to find the place for the rehearsal dinner. We're going to try on the tuxes. And so they're going to meet the family, going to, to talk to them. And, and here's what it says in verse 5 as they're on their way to do this. It says this, Then Samson went down with his father and mother to Timnah, and they came to the vineyards of Timnah. And behold, a young lion came toward him roaring. So he's down there. They're down to meet the family, to do all the stuff, to prepare. And all of a sudden, as they're in one of these vineyards, Samson's kind of by himself in the vineyard. And all of a sudden, this lion comes after him, roaring. So at this point in most of our lives... We would say, this is my turn to exit the vineyard, and I'll let the lion have the vineyard. I'm going to go do my thing. It's all yours, buddy. No problem. But not Samson. Samson's not scared of the lion, and so here's what it says in verse 6. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and although he had nothing in his hand, didn't have a weapon, he tore the lion in pieces as one tears a young goat. But he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. So this lion comes. Samson doesn't have a knife. He doesn't have a sword. He doesn't have a rock. No problem. He tears. I don't know what that even means. He tears this thing apart with his bare hands. Like he does to goats, I guess. He does that too because he said, just like he's a goat. So they must have tore goats up too. But, but he tears and he didn't tell anybody. Like, think about it. And, and I'm talking to the guys here. If you just kill the lion with your bare hands, you ain't keeping that quiet. You're watching online and you, you, you just ripped a lion apart with your bare hands. You're calling the media. Let's, let's get a picture on Instagram because I just ripped a lion up with my bare hands. He didn't tell anybody. He must have done This must be normal for him. And so several months pass, and, and it's now been, been a year, and now it's time to go and, and, and get married. And so they, they head back down, and, and when Samson's on his way down, he decides, hey, I want to go check out where I killed that lion. And again, he doesn't tell anybody. He goes and he finds this kind of carcass, and in it, Bees have made a little hive in it, and there's honey all in it. And so Samson, he just, 
Again, not supposed to touch a dead body, but he wasn't thinking. Gets a bunch of honey, eating it, and he takes some to his mom and dad. And man, he's, he's ready for the party. He's ready for the, the wedding. And at this point, if you were doing a reality TV show on a wedding and you needed a lot of drama, this would have been the one to, to, to tape because you would have got some good ratings on this one. Because they always blame the bride for the drama, but Samson, he caused a lot of drama at his wedding. And so he gets to his wedding. And there's, he has like 30 guys there that are kind of the guys that are hanging out with him. And so Samson says, hey, guys, I, 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 let's make a little, little gentleman's bet. And he says, Here, here's the bet. I got a little riddle I want to tell you. And if you can figure this riddle out in the next seven days, I'm going to get every single one of you a new outfit. So there's 30 of them. I'm going to go pick up 30 new outfits if you can get this riddle. And so here's the riddle in, in uh, verse 14. He says, out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. And so three days pass, and these boys are like, what is he talking about? I don't know. The, and they're, they're thinking and trying because, man, there's some, there's some like clothes that they could get, some free clothes. And so, man, they're trying to figure this thing out. And the, after three days have passed, they can't figure it out. And so they're like, oh, man, we got to come up with a plan B. And so they decide, you know what, we're going to go threaten his wife. And so they, they go and threaten his, his to-be wife and say, hey, if you don't find out this answer for us, it's not going to go well for you. And so she goes up to Samson and she weeps and drama and Samson, you got to tell me, man, don't you love me? And he, he holds out for three days. But I don't know what it was about what she did on day seven, but on day seven, he gives in and he says, oh, here's the answer. And she goes and betrays him and tells the guys and Samson ends up looking like a fool, which Samson doesn't like to look like a fool. And so he became very angry, and in his anger, here's what he did in verse 19. It says, And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and he went down to Ashkelon, and struck down thirty men of the town, and took their spoil, and gave the garments to those who had told him the riddle. In hot anger, he went back to his father's house, and Samson's wife was given to his companion, his best man, who had been, been his best man. And so instead of Samson heading to the mall and saying, hey, I lost the bet. I owe these guys 30 outfits. I got to go to the clearance rack somewhere and pick out 30 outfits. He says, no, I'm going to do it a different way. I'm actually just going to go kill 30 men and I'm just going to take their stuff and then I'll, give, I'll use that to pay back my debt. And so that's what he did. Again, like who does this? No one. You just go, hey, I like his outfit. I'm going to kill him and just take it. I actually need 30 of you. Who's, anybody ready to die because I need those clothes because I lost a bet. And, and so that, that's what happens. And so Samson takes these clothes to his friends, not really his friends, but these guys that told him the riddle and to make matters worse. Like it wasn't already going bad for Samson. The girl's dad says, you know what? We're just going to give her to the best man instead of Samson. So Samson's best man basically consummates the wedding with his wife instead of Samson. So it's, it's gone from bad to worse. And so did Samson come to a census? Like this would be a really good time in the story. 
to say, you know what, Samson, you have basically punched yourself in the face 12 times today. Maybe you should change directions. Like, stop punching yourself in the face. It doesn't have to be this difficult. But Samson, he isn't ready to give in. He's not ready to follow God's path. He's still focused on his own path. And so after finding out that his wife has been given to his best man, here's what he decided to do. This is ridiculous what he did. He says, okay, I'm going to get these guys back. And, and back in this time, children were important, cattle were important, and crops were important. Like those were the things that if you had those three things, like it was good. Life was good. So Samson says, those crops that these guys have, they're real important to them. So we're going to see about that. And he goes and he gets 300 foxes. He ties their tails together. He puts a torch in between each of them, a lit torch. And he lets these 300 foxes tied together go in the Philistines' crops. Which, I don't know how he did that, but he, I don't know. I mean, they didn't have like a dart gun, like, let's, let's make these things go to sleep so I can tie their tails together. But somehow he figured out a way to do this. And they ran through the crops and just destroyed the Philistines' crops. And the Philistines, they retaliated. And so they said, okay, then we'll just kill your, your wife and her dad. So they burned them up. It's like, this thing is not going well. Stop, Samson. And, and, and the scripture says that after Samson finds out that his, his wife and her fa his father-in-law have been killed, it just says this, that he ruthlessly attacked the Philistines, and there was a great slaughter. We, we don't even know, like, is that a thousand people? Like, I don't know, but a great slaughter. And so Samson has come to a point where it's just, he's back and forth with the Philistines. He, he's had a chance to follow God's path. He has a purpose in his life, but he's chosen time after time after time to follow his own path, and he continues to just get destroyed and things don't go well for him and people get hurt. And it just goes back and forth. And so just like a really good team, a really good coach, the Philistines say, you know what? What we're doing is not working. Like we've just had our crops decimated. We've just had a great slaughter on our people. This is not working. We have to come up with a different plan, a different strategy. And so what they do is they say, okay, we're going to lean on the nation of Israel and we're going to get them by threatening them to bring Samson to us because obviously what we're doing isn't working. So we're going to get them to bring Samson to us and maybe that'll work out better. And so that's what they do. They take 3,000 men and they, Israel takes 3,000 men because they're scared of Samson too. And they say, Samson, dude, we're getting leaned on by the Philistines we're not going to kill you, but man, would you just let us deliver you to them? And it would just go a lot better for us if, that, if we could do that. And Samson's like, yeah, as long as you're not going to kill me, no problem. So they tie up his hands with, with ropes and he gets delivered to the Philistines. And then here's what verse 14 says. As Samson is delivered to the Philistines by his own nation, who's basically betrayed him. His wife has been killed. I mean, it's not going well. And now he's in the hands of the Philistines, his arch enemy. 
And verse 14 of Judges chapter 15 says this. Then the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. And the ropes that were on his arms became as flax that had caught fire. And his bonds melted off his hands. And he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey. And he put it and he put out his hand and took it. And with it, he struck down a thousand men. So they, they deliver Samson. And he's just probably like, this is going to be too easy. These, these guys don't know what's coming. And, and it says, like, these ropes that for most men, I mean, you just couldn't get out. They just become like threads to him. He breaks out of it. Random jawbone of a donkey just laying off to the side. Picks that thing up and the Philistines that have swords and shields and armor and all the things that they brought because, man, Samson is a dangerous man. He just takes that jawbone and just whoops a thousand of them, kills him. He kills a thousand men with a jawbone. And, and it's this moment where Samson, he's got to start to realize in this moment that, you know what, man, Samson, it doesn't have to be this hard. Like, life doesn't have to be this hard. And this, like other times in his life, it was a great opportunity to, to really embrace the fact that God has a purpose for my life that is lived out best when I follow his path. This was a great time as Samson has been betrayed by his own nation. He's just killed a thousand men. He's sitting there. His own people don't love him. His enemies hate him. And he's sitting there. This would be a great time. For him to have a moment where he said, you know what? God has a purpose for my life. That's lived out best when I follow his path. I've got to change directions. And, and here's what's interesting. And we've all experienced this probably. Whether you're somebody that's a longtime follower of Jesus. Maybe you're investigating faith. Maybe you're watching online. We've, we've all experienced and God is so gracious in our lives. He puts these off ramps for us. And, and you know what I mean. You're going down a wrong path just like Samson was. And instead of God continuing to punish you and continuing to just say, I don't care. He gives you an off ramp. By his grace, he, he opens up an off ramp that, man, you can get off the path. Come off the path. And here's what usually happens. When we decide to not take God's off ramps into the path that he has for us, what happens is our hearts get harder and the consequences seem to get more severe. But God is so gracious and we've, if we had time, we could probably go around and, and even share stories about how we were going down the wrong path. We were doing things our way. We weren't choosing God's path and things weren't going well and God gave us an off ramp. It might have looked like a conversation with somebody close to us that said, stop, let me help you get on the right path. It, it might have looked like you getting caught, like you were going down the wrong path, doing some wrong things, and you got caught, and God's saying, this is my grace giving you an off-ramp. And when we choose to go on God's off-ramps, we find more grace. But when we choose to continue and say, you know what, I'm going to keep going, our hearts get more hard and the consequences get more severe. And that's 
unfortunately, exactly what happened to Samson. He had an off-ramp and he said, no, thank you. I'm continuing on this path. And it got worse. So the Philistines, they know in their mind that Samson has a, a weakness with women. And so Samson, he's fallen in love with a, a lady named Delilah. And so they are all about bribing whatever they need to do. And so they go to Delilah and they say, hey, Delilah, if you could just help us out, we will give you a bunch. And the amount, I forget how much, but it was as I was studying, this is like a lot of money they're offering Delilah. So like you, you want to take this offer. And, and they say, oh, here's all you got to do. All you got to do is find out where his strength comes from. Obviously, this guy just killed a thousand people with the jawbone of a donkey. There's something in him that we don't have, and we need to know how he gets it. And so she said, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. And so she, she gets with Samson, and here's what I'm thinking. Like, Samson, you think Samson would have learned? Like, remember when you had another girl and the whole riddle thing, and she came to you with a lot of drama and a lot of crying, and you gave in? And how did that go for you? But Samson, he... he didn't learn. And that usually happens when we're going down our, our, our own path. We seem to be foggy to reality. And sometimes we just keep making dumb decisions that from hindsight, you're like, what? That's what happened. So Delilah comes to him and basically, hey, buddy. And, you know, she's whining and dining him and saying, hey, just tell me what your, where you get your strength. And so he plays with her. He tells her one thing and she does that thing. And he doesn't lose his strength. Then she whines a little bit more and he, he jokes with her again. And, oh, it's, it's this. If you'll do this. And here's what the, the crazy thing is. Every time he tells her, the Philistines are always waiting for him outside the door. She does the thing to him that he just told her would make him lose his strength. And the Philistines attack him and he whoops them all. So you would think like after two or three times, like every time I tell this girl... Like she has the Philistines waiting outside for me. So maybe I'm not going to tell her anymore, but I don't know what happened. Bottom line, he says, okay, here's the bottom line. It's my hair. I've never had a haircut. If I didn't, if my hair got cut, I'd lose my strength. So she puts him to sleep. And here's what it says in verse 18. It says, when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, the leaders of the Philistines saying, Come up again, because they've done this a few times. Come, this is it. I, I, this is the real thing. Come up again, for he has told me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. She made him sleep on her knees, and she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep. I will go out as the other times and I'll shake myself free from them. And then probably one of the most heartbreaking phrases in all of scripture. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes. And brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. And he ground at the mill in the prison. The strongest man that ever lived found himself now about 40 years old. 
He's blind. He's humiliated. He's the brunt of everybody's joke. He's shackled. He's doing the work of an animal. And that's it. He can't do anything about it. All he can do is look back and remember all the times that he had an off-ramp, all the times that he had the potential and purpose and, and God, all the promises God had made and all the times he had gone his own way. And now he's literally, he can't see. He's being humiliated. He's doing the work of an animal. He's the brunt of everybody's joke. And, and, and he can't do anything about it. A life that started with great purpose is coming to an end with great devastation for himself and for the nation. Because remember, what was his purpose? His life purpose was to save Israel from the Philistines. And so because of his wrong decisions, his nation would be harmed. One of the lies we sometimes believe is that my life and my decisions are personal. When I choose to reject God's purpose and path for my life, the consequences affect others deeply. And, and you know that just like I do. When Samson chose to go down his path, it not only affected him, but his wrong decisions, his, de his decision to follow his own path was devastating not just to him, but also to his nation. And, and when you and I decide to, to go down a wrong path and we think, oh, this only affects me and I'm the only one that feels the consequences, that is a lie the enemy tells us because when we go down the wrong path, the consequences are hurtful, maybe more hurtful to those closest to us than even to us. And that's what, where Samson found himself. And so the story is coming to a close. And, and at this point, if this thing ends right now, this is, this is the classic story of somebody that had everything going for him and decided to waste it all and go down his own path. But God, in his grace, invites Samson one more time to follow his path. He gives Samson one more opportunity to follow his path. And that this time Samson says yes. And the results are staggering. See at this moment. Samson's the, the brunt of the whole nation. The Philistine nation. I mean he's the guy they've been literally chasing for 20 years. They finally got him. They humiliate him. And he's like the brunt of every joke. And so they decide. We're going to have a party. We're going to have a celebration. Because, man, we took down the, the, the evil empire. We took down the wicked witch of the West like the one we wanted to take down. We finally got him, and so let's celebrate. And so they do. They celebrate the defeat of their longtime foe, Samson. In Judges 16, it says this. And when their hearts were merry, verse 25, they said, call Samson that he may entertain us. They're going to they're gonna mock him. They're going to make a joke out of him. So they called Samson out of the prison and he entertained them. They made him stand between the pillars. And Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand. He couldn't even walk. He couldn't see. He says this to the young man. Let me feel the pillars on which the house rest that I may lean against them. Now the house was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines, all the leaders of, of the Philistines were there. And on the roof were 
about 3,000 men and women who looked on while Samson entertained. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me. And please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson, he grasped the two pillars on which the house rested. And he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on one and his left on the other. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength and the voice and the house fell upon the lords upon all the people who were in it so the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his whole life see from before samson was born his purpose was to save israel from the philistines and, and let this next statement sink in God did more in Samson's one moment of surrender than he had done in the previous 40 years of Samson following his own path. God did more in one moment of Samson saying, I'm on your path, than he had done the previous 40 years of Samson going his own way. It says it. More people died. Remember, his purpose was to take out the Philistines. More Philistines were killed in his final moment than all the other years of his life combined in one moment of surrender. God used Samson in a bigger way than all the rest of his life combined. See, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, I mean, no one wants to wake up on their last day blind. No one wants to wake up on their last day humiliated with regrets because they missed what was most important. Now, none of us want to wake up on our last day on earth in Samson's shoes. And, and, and God, and we, we know this, and it brings us back to the statement that we kind of started with. God has a purpose for my life that is lived out best when I follow his path. And here's, here's what's interesting. Sometimes we get caught up on the, in this first, that first part of that statement. God has a purpose for my life because we think, well, what's my purpose? No one came to my mom and dad before I was born and, and gave them like a really clear purpose for my life. Like, what if I miss my purpose? How do I find out my purpose? And, and here's what's real interesting. If we follow God's path, we'll find his purpose. Sometimes we worry, like, man, I don't, I don't know what my purpose, I mean, obviously, Samson, it was clear for him, but, but how do I find out what I'm supposed to do? If we follow God's path, his purpose will come. Because Jesus made it really simple when he talked about God's path. He laid it out for us, he said it, and he also, he also lived it out for us. He said simply this, your purpose is to love God and love others. And if you will put time into Following that path, you will find your purpose. You will find how God wants to use you. If we follow God's path, we'll find his purpose. But on the other hand, if we follow our path, we'll miss our purpose. Samson, he had a purpose. He had, I mean, it was, it was laid out so clear but he, until his very last moment, decided to follow his own path and had missed what he was called to do. 
And I think sometimes if we're honest, we say to God, whether we're watching online or we're here, you know what, God, I like my path better. And I, because we see things from about a 75, 80 year time frame. And in our little world, man, my path seems better. And God's saying, my picture's a lot bigger. If you will trust me and follow my path, you'll, you'll meet your purpose. You'll find your purpose. But it's when you're following your own path that you miss it. Fast forward to the last day of your life. Think about this. I, I try to think about this on a regular basis because this puts things in perspective for me. Go sit with yourself on the last day of your life and ask yourself, which path should I follow? Go, go sit with yourself on that last day. None of us know our last day, but hey, this is your, it's your, your last day. You know it. You're about to go out into eternity. Things are done. Everything's wrapped up. And ask that version of yourself, hey, should I follow God's path or my path? Which one will turn out better? What do you think that person's going to say? Maybe even better would, would go talk to yourself one day into eternity. Just one day. Where your last day on earth is gone and now you're spending your first day in eternity and ask that version of yourself, hey, at right now I've got two choices. I could follow my path or I could follow God's path. Which one should I choose? Ask yourself one day into eternity and just do what yourself would tell you to do. Because I'm going to guess that if you will listen to that person the last day of their life or their first day into eternity and you do what they say, you're not going to have regrets. But I think it's when we decide, you know what? We don't put ourselves into that perspective when we just think about the now, that, that we miss our purpose because we decide our path is better. Follow God's path because He has a purpose for your life that is lived out best when we follow his path. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the story of Samson. And Lord, uh, I'm, I'm thankful that you don't hide the tough stories. That uh, there's a lot of stories in scripture that we can relate to. Because there's a lot of imperfect people in scripture and you didn't leave those stories out. And Lord, I'm thankful for that. And Lord, I pray for each person here, whether they're watching online or whether they are here with us this morning. God, I pray that you would really help each of us to see this truth clearly. Help us to be able to clear away the clutter and the fog of our life and help us to see clearly that when we follow your path, we find your purpose. And you do have a purpose for our life. You, just like you did for Samson. Whether we're 15 or whether we're 85, you have a purpose for our life that is lived out best when we follow your path. And Lord, I pray if, if, if we are someone, whether we're watching online or we're here this morning, that has been going down our, our own path, Lord, I pray that this moment would be a moment where we just say, hey, I'm wrong, God. I repent. I, I've, done the, I've done it the wrong way. I want to do things your way. 
Lord, I, I believe that if, if we would listen to ourselves in that first day of eternity, that that person would tell us, you will never regret following God's path for your life. And Lord, I pray we would listen to that person. In Jesus' name, amen.